I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. So there was so much that I had to unlearn. And then I just started making little, like testing myself, like little moments at a time, like 10 minutes at a time of like, okay, if I felt alive today, like what type of person would I become? Well, I would take a shower. I, I would put a little lipstick on or like a little like, like bronzer on my face. Maybe I'd change my freaking underwear. Like- yeah something. And then I just started doing these little things, not for like the way that I looked, but the way that I felt. Mm -hmm. And slowly, 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 I started to notice little subtle shifts. And then yes, I did have to learn boundaries. Yes. I had to stop people pleasing. Yeah. I had to watch how other people projected their, their opinions on who I needed to be. And then when I didn't let that opinion get to me so much, like moment by moment by moment, then I, I started to gain confidence in who I was. Welcome back to the motherhood podcast, a live workshop style podcast that is helping thousands of moms redefine their motherhood journey. There was a point in my life when I was trying to do all the things, parent my kids, pour into my marriage, run a busy law practice, keep up my home. And what I found was that I was on the fast track to burnout until I discovered a better way. Now I help women just like you to close the gap between their vision of motherhood and what they're actually experiencing in their day-to-day lives. Together, we'll explore when and where to simplify, systemize, and surrender. I promise you, you're already doing so much better than you think. I'm your coach, Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Hey friends, Michelle Grosser here, and you are in for a treat today. Today on the podcast, we have guest Heather Chauvin. She is a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women break free from their fears to courageously and authentically live, work, and parent on their own terms. She's a TEDx speaker. She's the author of the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother. 
And she's the host of the highly loved podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, that's hit over 6 million downloads and counting. Heather started her career as a social worker. She was helping adults understand their children's behavior. But it wasn't until 2013 when a stage four cancer diagnosis pushed her to take a deeper stand for change, uncovering how cultural expectations sabotage our dreams. She has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Real Simple Magazine, Mind Body Green, Google, and more. And when Heather isn't working, you can find her living out what she teaches, which includes kayaking in Alaska, snowboarding, hiking, or anything else that challenges what she believes is possible for herself, and inviting her children along the journey. This is such a great conversation. I'm so anxious for you guys to be able to listen to it. Enjoy. Heather, welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. Michelle, thank you. I love having these conversations in sacred safe spaces. Mm, Yes. I would just love if you kind of, before we kind of jumped into the nuts and bolts of it, just kind of let everyone know a little bit about your story, your journey, your fellow podcaster. We were just talking that your your podcast is incredible and it's just hit a thousand episodes. Tell us all the things, Heather, before we kind of jump in. So there's there's a lot, right? We all have our our stories. I'm, I'm going to make it short. Okay. So who am I? I always, at this point in my journey, I always like to say I'm a soul having a human experience. Ooh, yes. So when people are like, who are you? Like, I hate every time we introduce ourselves, right? We're recording this during the holidays. Everyone's like, tell me about yourself. And it's, we typically introduce ourselves by our titles, Mm. like what we do professionally or what we, you know, how many children we have or who, like the partners, the, all the things. And so backing up a little bit, I'm a soul having a human experience. And what cracked me open was actually motherhood. Mm -hmm. So I became a mom when I was 18. So I already started backwards. I was single. I was 18. And I just remember looking at my son thinking, who's now 17 years old. And I remember looking at him thinking, I never want you to feel the way that I felt as a child. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand what that actually meant or why I felt that way. And I never wanted to become a statistic. So I utilized anger in a healthy way to propel me to say like, and that rebel inside of me to propel me to say like, I'll show you, right? Mm -hmm. You don't think I can do this. I'll show you. Little did I know that the barriers that I was overcoming weren't just because I was 18 years old. It was the gender role and expectation of who I was as a woman. And then there's patriarchy and there's so much more in that conversation. But I'm, I was pushing And I was getting a lot of feedback culturally, like from society of like, look at you go, you're super mom. Mm. And on the inside, I felt like I was dying. Like, I was like, not this, not this. And I really felt alone. And Michelle, I was one of those people that even though I had quote unquote nothing, I still sought out help and I paid out of pocket for therapy. I like, I tried to do the things I would go to the library and rent books, even though I hated reading, I was actively seeking resources and I just couldn't figure out why I felt like crap, Mm -hmm. why I felt like I was failing, even though I was asking for help. And the feedback I was getting, not only like your super mom was suck it up, buttercup. This is adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
Oh, wow. No, 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 no. So I went to school, became a social worker, fell in love with mental health and mindfulness and meditation. Of course, not for me, for my son. And I use that and I giggle about it because the first thing I started doing was teaching children about meditation and mindfulness. And the parents were like, did you fix my kids yet? And I was like, oh, okay, now I see the deeper issue. Like we think our children are broken. Mm. And fast forward, I was a social worker and then I thought I was going to make an impact in the world. And I realized, oh crap, now I'm in another system that is not making an impact. We're just labeling and putting band-aids on these problems, but we're not actually empowering our clients. And that's when I really, really fell in love. People started, my my managers started noticing that I had a way with children. I could, like the defiant children, and I'm using air quotes, I could somehow get them to crack open and connect. And they're like, what did you do? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe because I'm actually seeing the child and I'm not just seeing how as adults we're projecting and judging these children. So fast forward, I leave my job. I do that very emotionally uncomfortable thing where you leave quote unquote safety. And I'm using air quotes again, take the leap. Mm -hmm. And my youngest at this point, so I have three boys, they're 17, 12. They literally, 12 year olds going to have a birthday in four days. So it's going to screw me up. So 17, almost 13 and 10. My youngest at that point was about a year old and I was still breastfeeding and I'm like a quote unquote business owner and I'm, I'm just starting coaching. So I left the therapy world and I started coaching Mm -hmm. all online and my health started to deteriorate and I'm like, okay, I don't have time for this. Oh, I just feel like crap because I'm supposed to, I'm an adult. I feel like a woman. I feel like a woman. I'm a woman, blah, blah, blah. Maybe my body's just trying to get back post baby. I didn't want to go to the doctor because I told myself I didn't have time for that. And I'm just going to go through these loops and hoops. And they're going to tell me like, we don't know what's wrong with you. And I was 27 at the time. So I'm like, I'm young. What's the point? So my abdomen started swelling. And I thought, oh crap, I'm one of those people has a gluten allergy. That was overwhelming. Didn't know how to cut out gluten. So go to the doctor and I'm progressively getting worse, but I'm in denial of how much pain I'm in. And my husband's like, you need to go to the hospital. So here I am still breastfeeding, starting a business a few months earlier, like finally signed the paperwork that I wasn't going back to my corporate job and go to the hospital that night. They do a CT on my abdomen and blood work and tell me I have cancer. And I just thought at this time, I'm laughing probably because it's just mind blowing to me what you are capable of going through when you are determined. At that time, I had not almost nine years of personal development under my belt. So I read the books, I had the mentors, I went on the retreats, I was doing the work. And I just remember that moment and looking up and thinking, I walked out of the hospital that night, I looked up and I'm like, okay, God, universe source, you finally have my attention. I will surrender. And that's when I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. It was December 21st, 2013. And yeah. I've never been the same since I've been better, healthier <laughs> than ever, more alive than ever. And my journey and my story, like it started with children mm-hmm. and then it went to me 
And then it went to like the duality of both mm. that it, it's not either or. Right. Right. It's not just us being overwhelmed, anxious, frustrated, depleted, unfulfilled, and then worried about our kids. It's our children having their own human experience, us having our own human experience and how we can co-create both together. So yeah. that's what brought us to today. Wow. It's beautiful, beautiful soul having a beautiful human experience. Incredible. Um, kind of so many things about that story. I'm just so grateful for for your boldness and sharing it and and you know, kind of the twists and turns and and how it's taken you and how you're pouring into this huge community of women now. But it just kind of makes me think of all of the women listening, all the women we know who are so overwhelmed, exhausted, feeling like the physical symptoms of all of that, and just like you said, just thinking to themselves like, this is just normal, suck it up. This is motherhood. This is just mm-hmm. how it's going to be. Maybe they're even just waiting for that moment when like the kids are out of the house or when they start s- sleeping through the night again. And none of us want to be waiting for that, right? Like we all understand that we have to enjoy it and all of this stuff, which we do, but it can still be so demanding and exhausting. And mm-hmm. I guess I want to your take on like, one, is that normal and then two like when you're feeling that way what do you think like where should they where should we start so I love when people because you did it I was when you were like I know I should be enjoying it and then we do the eye roll like (laughs) because people will tell you like going through all these phases and my oldest now being 17 years old one this is the and maybe it's just like childbirth this is the the worst season in my mothering, meaning the most difficult. Okay. Everyone says like the older they get, you know, the easier it is. And I think, yes, I probably get more sleep, but what keeps me up at now night now is, is worry, right? Instead of before it was like crying children or children not sleeping. Now it's worry or like, yeah, like is my child home? Right. So all of these things. So I think this comparison or this like illusion that it gets easier, it just changes and morphs itself. And, you know, it's during the hot, like we're recording this during the holiday season. So you get very nostalgic during the holidays. And sometimes it brings up like not so good feelings. And sometimes you're like, oh, and I look back at Christmas in general and the holidays and how ridiculous society makes it, especially for the woman when it comes to cooking and cleaning and the food and presents and all of these things. When in reality, all we crave is connection. Like that's it. We crave connection. We pray, we crave love. We, we just want to feel seen and heard and understood. And along the way, and I will tell you that this is normal to think the way that I think, because that's why I started podcasting. My podcast is now called Emotionally Uncomfortable, but it was called Moms in Control because I was talking to these women and they're like, I want to feel in control. I want to feel in control. And the podcast content didn't change, just the name changed. Because what I realized is to feel in control means to feel aligned and alive. And you actually have to get emotionally uncomfortable in order to feel good. Because when I say I refuse to suffer or like I refuse to be chronically overwhelmed or I refuse to be chronically fatigued or Mm -hmm. resentful or angry at my family or I refuse to yell at my children. And if I do yell or raise my voice or if I am overwhelmed, these are symptoms. Mm -hmm. 
these are not the definition of a good mother or a good woman. And culturally, that's what we've been taught. Mm -hmm. And that is why we're burnt out. And so now when I go out into the world or when I'm talking to people that aren't in my circle, like clients or podcast listeners, and I'm meeting somebody who has no idea what I do for a living, 9.9% of the time, 9.9, 99.9% 9.9, 99.9% of the time, meaning almost a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> this woman is trying to connect with me through her suffering. Mm. Like, Oh, are you overwhelmed too? Are you this too? Are you struggling with this too? Because she feels alone. Yeah. And I no longer identify as that type of woman because I've opted out of the toxic culture of motherhood years ago. Mm. And so I say, I used to feel that way. I don't anymore. And I just see the look on her face of like, how do I get out of this? Yeah. It's like a unicorn. Um, Yeah. But we, we consider it like normal, but just because trauma is normal doesn't mean it needs to be our way of being and you can heal it. You can change it, but it's going to be emotionally uncomfortable to do so. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit, and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There's five different personality patterns, and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two minute personality patterns quiz. What are some of the ways that you just decided you weren't going to do this anymore? Is it boundaries? Is it just changing your whole mindset around what it means to be Mm -hmm. a good mom or a good or whatever the things were that were like overwhelming you or exhausting you? Yeah. So one, you have to make a decision like, because everyone always asks for tips or tricks or something. There are no tips or tricks. It's uncomfortable and it's every it's choices. Yeah. So number one, I was like, I will never get back to this state of of like discomfort. Like I will never be at this low in my life again, whether it was mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, I will never get back here. I made a promise to myself. And then my goal was on a daily basis to get as far away from that as possible. And there was a concept that I teach in my book. I talk a lot about it in the podcast. I teach it in my coaching, which is energetic time management. So essentially what it is, is reverse engineer how you want to feel. You know, everyone talks about manifesting and the law of attraction and abundance and doing all the things, but they don't talk about how. Mm -hmm. 
And that action is actually a requirement of that. Don't know if anyone is aware, but action, like physical action is a requirement, Mm -hmm. but it needs to come from a place of being. So let me give you an example. I felt dead inside. I was angry. I was resentful. I was fatigued. And almost every adult around me, including my husband, was like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Like, you know, and even now, if my husband says that, I'm like, that's your responsibility. I'll help you create space, but I can't do the work for you. But I remember when he said that to me, wasn't that absurdive, but essentially it was like, I'm helpless. Like I can't make, you know, me doing the dishes or or making dinner is actually not going to change how you feel. Like that's your responsibility. I was resentful when he said that. And now I understand, mm. but I wanted to feel alive. I wanted to feel energized. I wanted to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So step one, I could, I had to stop using my children. So let's say step two, step one, I had to make a choice. Step two, I had to stop using my children as an excuse. Oh, good. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I have to say that out loud. I don't care if you have an infant at home, a toddler, a teenager, like you have to stop using your children as an excuse. And then three, I had to sit with my guilt. Mm -hmm. I had to sit with my guilt of like, oh, well, I can't go for a solo walk because then I'm going to feel guilty. And then my children are going to scream at the window and while they're watching me. And I'm like, but when are they ever going to learn that they can be independent beings without me and that I love them deeply? Mm-hmm. And maybe they're just mirroring back to me the intensity of my guilt. And is it that they don't have a connection with me or are they just you know, they don't, they're, they don't self-regulate. They're little toddlers at this point. So maybe they're just, they're like projecting or like amplifying how I feel on the inside, but because they're little, they're doing that. Maybe it's actually connection and love and it's not guilt that I'm feeling. Wow. So there was so much that I had to unlearn. And then I just started making little, like testing myself, like little moments at a time, like 10 minutes at a time of like, okay, if I felt alive today, like what type of person would I become? Well, I would take a shower. I, I would put a little lipstick on or like a little like like bronzer on my face. Maybe I'd change my freaking underwear, like yeah. something. And yeah. then I just started doing these little things, not for like the way that I looked, but the way that I felt. Mm-hmm. And slowly, 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 I started to notice little subtle shifts. And then, yes, I did have to learn boundaries. Yes, I had to stop people pleasing. Yeah, I had to watch how other people projected their their opinions on who I needed to be. And then when I didn't let that opinion get to me so much, like moment by moment by moment, then I, I started to gain confidence in who I was. And then now, like this is like years later, like I think I'm going on to nine years. I don't even pay attention anymore how many years I've been in remission because it's not a huge part of my identity anymore. But people treat me so differently, like even my family, because they're like, oh, that's Heather. Like I can't get away with that with her. Like they just know that now. We're before it was like, oh, let's see if we can get her. Where now I'm just like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like you have that friend that you could text and you know, they're going to text you right back. I'm the friend that will text you at the end of the day or the day after and be like, Hey, sorry, I couldn't, I'm not a 911 service because I'm working or I'm like not on my phone all the time because I have boundaries Mm -hmm. and I'm just, you know, I love people deeply, but I cannot rescue them and like do all their work for them. So Mm. 
there's lots in there, but it's just <laughs> moment by moment by moment. Yeah. I love, I love all of that. I love just the ownership of it too. Like just, we all have the power to just make that decision and, and start there. I would love to, to talk a little bit about like within all of that, I think something that I see, and again, it's society, the patriarchy, all of these things maybe, but I feel like so much of this, the guilt and, and this desire to be the super mom or all the things or take time care for ourselves is this connection between worthiness, I think. And then mm-hmm. also like just women's and maybe moms in particular are discomfort with receiving. Yeah. <laughs> what, like what, what do you think? I have not met a woman who hasn't had a receiving issue like, yeah. and even men too. So it's interesting because I'm raising boys and I'm so like, literally everyone in my house is a male. I have two dogs and one is a male. So there's me and my one female dog <laughs> against the house. And I would say to my husband all the time, like worthiness, this is a woman's issue. And he's like, and men, like this mm-hmm. is a human issue. And so as my boys are getting older and older, I think culturally we've just been like men have been taught not to feel and to show any of that. So it, it disguises itself as anger or shame, but receiving is hard for all humans mm-hmm. and worthiness is difficult too. So I do see the correlation between worthiness and receiving and guilt and shame and overwhelm and all the things because the antidote or the solution is, you know, people call it self-care. I dislike that term so bad. First of all, no self-care should cost you a dime. Okay. So a pedicure is not self-care. And that costs money that is being like marketed to you as self-care is not self-care. Self-care is saying, no, thank you. Self-care is saying, I need a personal timeout. Self-care is taking a shower. Self-care is feeding yourself. Self-care is drinking water. Like self-care is actually like I matter, which is, it comes from worthiness. So a lot of times, like we don't even know what self-care is. Like we don't even know what we need. So then we're like, oh, I just saw a commercial that doing this was self-care. You're like, wow, self-care is so expensive. It shouldn't cost you anything. And I think all humans, but especially women who are raising children, who want to teach the next generation how to value themselves. I mean, we all swing to the pendulum, but this ownership, like I I wrote that down because I think as women and moms, like we come from a place of service. Like everything I do is service-based. Like people are like, oh my God, I feel so guilty for that. I'm like, do you know what gets me to the gym? Mm. That I'm raising three boys that are like, mom, are my muscles bigger yet? And I'm like, (laughs) it's not about how big you can get. It's about how good you can feel. When I go to the gym, there's two things that I think about. One, being a role model that a woman can take care of herself. A woman can create space. A woman can feel strong. A woman can blah, blah, blah. And two, I actually go to process and work through business things. Mm. Like I'll think of a content idea or like I'm working through something. I never go to be like, me time, me time. Like there's always this bigger purpose. So sometimes I have to trick my brain into doing the things that are good for my soul and my mind and my body Mm -hmm. to be of service to other people. And I think that's so, so important to say because people think there's they're broken and there's something wrong with them. And the fact that we have so much in our heart that we want to give, you just have to learn how to do it in a sustainable way. Because if you don't, 
you're going to die. Yeah. And I don't mean physically die as in you're going to get sick. Maybe for some that will be it. But dying to me is like your soul dies, your desires die, your mental health dies, your physical health dies. And then you wake up one day and go, who am I? Mm. And like, I hope that scares you. Like, I hope the anger and resentment that is inside of you that you keep projecting and puking onto the ones you love, and then you feel guilt and shame about it. You're like, I want to stop this toxic cycle. Like, I am a part of the problem. And the only way to do that is to actually to start listening to yourself and to implement some of those strategies. Yeah. And I could go on and on and on. But the worthiness is you have to face it. That lack of receiving, like, that's where resistance comes in. And you have to look at it every single day. Like, every day, I'm like, is this lack of worthiness? Is this like, me not being able to receive, but we know what that resistance feels like. And I just, I have to lean into it. I can't avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Leaning into it. It's so good. Something else that you said too, that really kind of the idea that we have to like check in with ourselves and listen to ourselves. And I think it's a societal thing too, but I think so many of us are so disconnected from our intuition or any sort of practice of actually like figuring out that we have needs and identifying them, like forget even expressing them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder like, what are some, maybe some practices that you have or some ways that women can start to like pay attention to their intuition, what they need. Cause I feel like sometimes we do so much and we're so scared that the wheels are going to just fly off the minute we slow down. But in a lot of ways, and maybe the most important ways, arguably we can actually do more by doing less. Right. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's hilarious that we have this fear that if we stop, everything is going to crumble. And yet we don't think we have any value. (laughs) You're right. It makes no sense. Like, first of all, I am always telling people, what do you think? Like, use your critical thinking skills, which apparently is not common knowledge. Like, I tell people all the time, what do you think? What do you think? And when they, this is the feedback I typically get when people are done working with me and in my community. I'm like, what did you actually learn? And they're like, how to deeply trust myself, Mm. how to deeply trust my intuition, which has influenced positively my parenting, my marriage, my business, or my work, my health. Like, like I, I, there's no codependency. They're like, you have empowered me. And I'm like, great. That was the whole point. Because at the end of the day, you have to know how to listen to yourself. So my favorite, favorite, and I hear, I say it all the time, journal prompt is, wouldn't it be nice if? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice if? And the reason why I really like this journal prompt, and use it on your phone if you're not a journaler, like write it in your little note section on your phone, go for a quick walk, take a bath, bring your phone in the tub, I don't care. <laughs> and just, wouldn't it be nice if? And give yourself permission to just let it out. Wouldn't it be nice if, and just everything that you want from like, wouldn't it be nice if I bought myself some new underwear to, could I have a glass of water right now to, you know, I got a night free to, we traveled the world, like let it all out. And the reason why I say this is because this is actually what you want. Mm-hmm. And there's so much data there, but there, I call them breadcrumbs, but it's not overwhelming. You're not attached mm-hmm. to it. 
And, you know, sometimes I will do this with my husband. I'll do it with my kids. It's like, what's inside of you? Like, what do you want? Because it can be a very intimidating question. What do you want? Right? Like, what are you thinking? No, I don't know. It's like, just let it out. There's something inside of you. So when we let the insides out, now we can look. And then you have to actually look at it and you have to start implementing. You have to start giving yourself like permission. Like, wouldn't it be nice if I could have a bath tonight? Okay. Who do you need to talk to, to communicate that? What do you need to make happen? Like start honoring your needs. And I want to tell you a story. There was a woman that I was connected. I was doing like a, an interview, but there was like Q and a style with their community. So I didn't know this woman and I could see her face and I could see that she like, I triggered the poop out of her. Okay. So I either trigger people or I inspire them. And we all do that when we become fully self-expressed, you're going to trigger people or, or, like in a bad way, not a bad way, but you're going to trigger their negative or you're going to trigger their positive. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's sitting there and she's very into mindfulness and Zen parenting, gentle parenting, whatever the heck you want to call it. And I, I said something, I said, I don't, I don't yell that much, like ever. I can't remember the last time I yelled. And I said, I'm just not, I'm not angry at my kids. Mm -hmm. And she's like, when you said that, I just shut down. I was like, this woman. And she goes, because I, I practice Buddhism or something like that. And they always talk about how our anger is, is the gateway. And I said, I never said I wasn't angry. I said, I don't project my anger onto my children. So why do you think you're projecting your anger onto your children? Why do you think you're so angry? She's like, so what is it that you want? Cause I want to feel heard in my house. I want space in my house. I said, then why aren't you hearing yourself? And she was like, and I'm like, why aren't you giving yourself space? Mm. And she couldn't fathom what I meant. Mm -hmm. I said, taking the practice of anything that you're learning, you have to take it to the next level to actually give yourself the space that you want. Mm -hmm. So in her case, wouldn't it be nice if whatever she wants or desires, she has to take it to the next level. Where she's like, well, I'll, I have boundaries. I'll tell my children, I need space. I need space. But give yourself more space so that your children aren't walking on eggshells around you. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the conversation, her face softened and her shoulders went down a little bit. But she couldn't comprehend how she could stop yelling at her children. And I said, you have to go to to the yelling. You have to go to the anger and you have to ask yourself, why am I avoiding this? Why am I running away from it? And what is it that, why is it here? What is it telling me? And when you look at it again and again and again and use that journal prompt, wouldn't it be nice if little tiny things will come out and you start checking them off, that becomes your new to-be list or to-do list. Mm -hmm. You start doing those things. And then in those same moments, you're less reactive and you're like, why am I not yelling? Why am I not angry? You could still be triggered, yeah. right? It's you're always going to be triggered, but it's because you're fulfilling your needs and when you do that, everyone wins. Beautiful. It's that self-leadership, right? Yeah. Good. And then, and also the name of your podcast emotionally like uncomfortable. It's just experiencing it. And I think I want I want to get you to speak on this too because I think also as women, also as moms, 
we love to like label and categorize our emotions, right? And like anger is definitely in the bad, the bad category. Yeah. Um, so, so often, not only is it uncomfortable, but we're just like uncomfortable with even the idea of having anger, or we have no idea that it can be expressed in a healthy way. And I would love for you to speak on that, like for these emotions, one, just the labeling of them in general, why it's so important to actually feel them and then maybe some healthy ways to express some of those ones that are so uncomfortable. Yeah. Anger is a mask. Number one, it's a secondary emotion. So underneath there's usually grief. Mm -hmm. And I think traditionally we're taught that grief is sadness because somebody has passed, but grief can also be, you know, like sadness of our old self or something that we desired, or, you know, I, I recently had to go through like a huge grieving process, watching my oldest go into adulthood. And I'm like, oh, wow, this has become an identity thing, not a crisis, but a thing where I feel like, you know, you can just feel that disconnect of you're going to your next level. And that person is going to their next level. It's actually wild to me because Every industry has its thing. And once you're in it for a while, you realize like the quote unquote good and bad. And I'm using air quotes, Mm -hmm. just like food, right? People are like, that's bad for you. And it's like, is it, or is it like not nutritious? Does it serve, but who cares? Like, you know, as long as you're not eating that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, I think the fear around certain things is worse than the actual item itself. And anger is the same way. Like anger is, can be super healing if you like use it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of people who avoid anger because like, I'm just trying to stay positive oh, yeah. vibes only. Uh, and I'm like, yes, but at the same time, like you can't be in a bubble, right? And when we're complaining about somebody else's energy all the time or the world, the state of the world, like you're actually part of the problem. So What I like to do is I always like, first of all, I have the array of emotions on on the daily. And when I'm feeling something that I don't want to feel, maybe it's anger, maybe it's overwhelm, maybe it's frustration, maybe it's resentment. Mm -hmm. I ask myself, what is this really? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this really? And then I will blame somebody else. So in in my head, let's say my son, because he seems to be number one learning your teacher. teacher, my teacher, <laughs> my greatest teacher, but we're actually a lot alike. Yeah. And I realize a lot of my, my anger is fear, mm. fear of the unknown and fear of his future. He reminds me so much of me and he's just, I think he's going to become an entrepreneur or something. And so he doesn't fit into the mold, which drives me nuts <laughs> because the mold when you're raising children is certainty. Yet my heart desires him to be fulfilled and to do whatever his heart desires. And I actually know that if he was in the mold and he was working a nine to five and like that, he's going to eventually be unhappy if he's just doing what everyone else thinks he should do. Mm -hmm. But watching him try to navigate and figure out who he is, is terrifying to me because the uncertainty is there and there's contrast, right? He's like, I don't know who I am and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know who you are. Let me (laughs) me help you. And he's like, you're not allowed to help me. Let me figure this out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. Mm -hmm. So I look at it and I, I, every time, like even in my journal, I'll put my child's name in. I'm like, they are lazy. I like, I'm angry at him because he, you know, disrespects me or something like that. And then I cross out his name and I put mine. 
Like every time his name comes out on paper or I'm thinking it, if I'm thinking the thought and I'm trying to process something, mm-hmm. I'll write out the story I'm telling myself about my child or about the person and mm-hmm. I cross out their name and I put mine. And then it makes me take ownership or even just mirror back to myself. So like I am being lazy. Hmm. Okay. Well, how am I being lazy? Do I have any procrastination tendencies? And first of all, lazy in itself is like Hmm. a podcast, Yep. but let's say, oh, like child's name is making me angry. I am making me angry. How am I making me angry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's like yesterday, I was angry at him in my head. I didn't project it. And his phone died and he came home on time. And I catastrophized in my head this whole story. And then he came home. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, charge your phone. He's like, yeah, like I was going to be home at the same time and it just died and I didn't have a charger. So like, whatever. And I was like, wow, like you just caused so much drama in your head. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't project it onto him because I knew better, but like we cause so much of our freaking drama. That's not even there. And I got to look at it. You have to look at the emotion, the feelings, the thoughts, the good, the quote unquote good, the quote unquote bad. Why are we labeling it as bad? And it's usually fear-based. Yeah. Yes. I started studying like Byron Katie's work and I know you have some episodes on that too. Mm-hmm. And that's like part of it, right? Is like when you're doing the work and asking if it's the turnaround. The turnaround. Yeah. So, so so people find that fascinating. I I talk a lot about Byron Katie in my coaching. Okay. And they always get stuck on the turnaround. What do you think it is that's so sticky? They the don't idea understand like- that they're doing the same thing that they are projecting onto somebody else. Okay. And then what does it take for it to click? Is it just like the recognition over and over or is it? So I have someone in my community who teaches Byron Katie okay. and her and I, like when we get together, we're like, we get so excited talking about it. Yeah. Um, And usually during the calls, like I'll observe people and, you know, we go through this and she's like, it's how much we defend keeping our stories, our old stories. We're tied to them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so it's like, you're holding on to a teddy bear, like your favorite teddy bear, like as a child. And someone's like, I'm going to take away your teddy bear and give you this fresh one. Mm-hmm. And you're like hanging on for dear life. You're like, do not take my teddy bear. I want that's the stinky rip. That's what we do to our beliefs. Because if I have a story, like a belief, like I am not good enough. Mm-hmm. So therefore my story is, if I secretly believe I'm not good enough to do something or I'm incapable because I don't trust myself, I'm going to tell the world I don't have time. Yes. Yeah. And If I want to hang on, is it true that I don't have time? Yep, 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 yep. It's true. It's true. It's true. Are you absolutely sure that you don't have time? Well, if I put my phone away, I could probably get an hour plus of my life back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I actually have time. I just, I'm terrified. But when I start taking action, what is actually terrifying is your identity, so you have to become that type of person. And I have done this work over and over and over again, not just in mothering in general, but like depression wow, or like certain health issues that I had where I'm like, 
I didn't really identify too much as a cancer survivor, but I didn't want any of my disease to be around or sorry, any of my identity be to be around disease. Mm -hmm. Like it actually used to annoy me when I would meet people and they would enter or like I'd be with someone, they would introduce me to new people as a cancer survivor or like she blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want my story to be around what I no longer want and desire. And so then I had to be like, what's, what beliefs am I hanging on to? Mm. And it's that whole I am, mm. right? So even when I introduce myself to people, I don't want to, the first thing coming out of my mouth is I don't want to say I am a mother mm. because I am so much more than that. Like it is in my DNA. I think about them all the time. I'm always like one, two, three, one, two, three. Where <laughs> are they? Like little ducks in a row yeah. all the time. Yeah. But I am so much more than that. And fulfillment and like comes from fulfilling my desires beyond my role as a mother, beyond my role as a business owner, beyond my role as a wife. And it's like, what do I want? And why can't I do that? So we have to watch how we're constantly projecting onto other people and projecting onto ourselves. And then when we're ready to do the work, we'll do the work. Mm -hmm. But until then, no one can make you do it. Yeah. I know sometimes I I remind myself often and my husband too. I'm like, man, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? It's like, maybe they're just not ready for it. Maybe I'm just not ready for it. And then when I am, I have this revelation and I'm like, man, that was there the whole time. I was just way too whatever to be able to to grasp. I've watched it with people who've like, oh, I so want to work with you. I just can't afford it right now. And then come back two or three years later, my prices of like, five X and they're like pay in full. And I'm like, what happened? They're like, I was scared last Mm -hmm. time. And now I'm just done with my bullshit and I'm ready. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes, man. So good. I love it. I, I feel like I've learned so much. Even in just this half hour of our conversation, you've given me such great food for thought and I'm sure our listeners too. Uh, So thank you for the people listening who want more. Obviously I mentioned the podcast, but you have this whole community. You have all of your programs. I know you just had a book that came out. So tell tell all the people all the things. Yeah. So my book is called Dying to Be a Good Mother. It's a prescriptive memoir. It does talk about cancer, but it's really about like living and learning how to become the type of person you desire to be and bringing your children along for the ride. Also, I have a really interesting quiz. So I always tell people, I wish I, I like just taught people how to like drink green smoothies or something. But of course I go to like the soul level and that's kind of like my purpose on the earth in this lifetime. So if you go to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash slash life quiz. It's a quick quiz that you can take, takes like two minutes and it will show you where to focus your energy and attention. Do I need to work on boundaries? Do I need to work on energy and time management? And then I give you free resources through the podcast, where to focus and like very tangible things. So you can find the podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, lots and lots of information there. Just start doing the work slow and steady and you'll find your way. Yeah, that's right. That's great advice. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for blessing us with just all the mic, all the mic drops. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Michelle. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, 
It would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the Motherhood Village and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.